We're back, folks. Welcome back to the Silver Bullet Saga. I'm your host, Ryan Vonderhaar. Welcome to Ruckus Week. We got a lot to talk about. Buckeyes got it done last week at Camp Randall against those Wisconsin badges. Here with me, as always, to break down the game, my co-host, Adam Vonderhaar. Adam, tuning in from Harvest 2023. Adam, how we doing? Oh, I'm nestled into the bunker, the bunker being my red Kenworth. Dumping corn here at the farm. Yields are looking good, but we got a lot of wet wet corn out there, so I am uh, kind of the manning the corn dryer here and dumping trucks and running back and forth. But, man, another good day to be a Buckeye. It's a truly spoiled and blessed fan base that can whine and moan and complain about a two-touchdown win on the road in the Big Ten. But uh, as always, go Buckeyes. Absolutely. And we're letting the we're letting that music ride a little bit on the intro this week. And hopefully some of the folks out there understand the reference to the great show, The Sopranos from HBO. But before we turn the page and get to those Scarlet Knights living up there in the northeast side of the U.S., um, Adam, just a little bit to talk through, you know, the Wisconsin victory, as you talked about some Buckeye fans not too happy, you know, walking out uh, last week uh, from a great road win. A win in which, you know, we kind of started the conversation the week before. Hey, can Marvin Harrison Jr. really be a competitive, you know, kind of uh, uh, Heisman candidate, right? we got all these quarterbacks all across the country. Michael Penix Jr., Big Ten uh, Conference alumni, um, you know, the guy down there at LSU, you know, tons of great players across the country. But, you know, if it's not a quarterback award and you've watched maybe eight or nine games this season— Really, nobody's doing what Marvin Harrison has done, uh, you know, uh, this this to this point in the season. So really exciting and kind of a tale of the offense. You know, last week in Wisconsin, Kyle McCord had his first bad clunker of a game. And, you know, he throws a terrible interception uh, on a first first and 10 right uh, in the red zone against Wisconsin at a point in the game where, you know, a touchdown, even a field goal really starts to you know, pull that game away for the Buckeyes and put it out of touch. Throws a pick into the end zone on a play where he's trying to force it, which it's like, okay, you can never do that. You know, we're really mad at him. Well, you know, turn right around and a couple drives later, throws one. It's not as bad, right, as a red zone pick, but one kind of into the middle of the field where he lets the ball hang out and the Wisconsin corner makes a play on it. So two picks in the game for Kyle McCord. Um, some fans, maybe our uncle included, not too happy with the Buckeyes for not covering the 14 and a half point spread last week. Uh, that's a lot of points. And we talked about it on this podcast just a week ago, right? Luke Fickle, Wisconsin Badgers, they're going to have a little something right in store. And they, they played a sound defense and a pretty strong game, um, all night. But what do the Buckeyes do? Where, where is that identity that we keep talking about this year? Man, the defense shows up again against a banged-up Wisconsin team. I'll give you that. But, man, any team of the last three, four years for Ohio State, they may lose that game the way that went and the way the offense uh, played on Saturday. Adam, just any big takeaways from Saturday? There's one more that I definitely want to mention, and maybe you will. But, Adam, anything from Saturday? No, I mean, you you really covered it. Um, I think, just as you said, to put the defense in such terrible situations and kill the momentum with turnovers, be that a red zone turnover, another one, and then the fumble by McCord. Um, I wonder if he had a little bit of an invincibility feeling because he led us on that game-winning drive against Notre Dame and that terrible throw to Cade in double coverage that should have been a game 
ending interception by Notre Dame. The guy drops it. I mean, not much of a lesson to be learned there on uh, taking care of the football. Hopefully, last week proved to be uh, a big lesson for Kyle and ball control. And basically, you're more of a manager than you are, a, 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 you know, kind of a J, JT Barrett role. You a ton of threats all over the uh, Ohio State offense. It's just basically try not to mess anything up is, is Kyle's job. And hopefully Saturday was a lesson of that. But uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., that that touchdown in the end zone, I mean, it's a should have been a pass interference penalty. Ref kept their, their flags in their pockets pretty much the whole game, but he still ends up coming down with it. Just, I mean, I know Buckeye fans don't want to hear the comparison. I just, I remember how Devontae Smith, just tore us up in the COVID year national championship. I get those vibes from Marvin because it's like, I'm just going to take the game over and do it all myself. Even if my quarterback's not, you know, the best on the field, I'm going to be the best on the field. That's what I see in Marvin. So hopefully the Heisman voters see it the same way, but hey, we'll see. That's a couple games out. But what else do you got? Well, yeah, the only thing that Ohio State fans won't like is you referencing some Mickey Mouse championship that happened in a year where folks definitely shouldn't have been playing football. I mean, you and I both agree with that, other than Ohio State's Clemson win. But, you know, there were teams like maybe a team just north of here that weren't even willing to play what people want to call the greatest rivalry in the history of sport. Um, but maybe we'll get to the boys in blue a little later on the podcast. Um, the The one thing I – two things, I guess, with McCord – and it, I was guilty of it, too. I was ready to turn on him on Saturday. I was so mad at the first interception into the end zone because that's just something you can't do. And in a different game, it loses you the game, that play, you know, even early on. Uh, and I think Ryan Day knows it, and I think even McCord knows it. And hopefully it's something a growing opportunity. And like you said, you know, hopefully this is the exception, right, to the way that a guy like McCord has been playing. You know, one interception before – uh, Saturday, he walks out of Wisconsin with three. So he had two, you know, in a tough environment on the road, making a bad decision and a little hobbled, you know. Uh, I think that injury, I think it came after those two picks. I'm trying to remember. He picks up a really nice first down on a, it's like a third and six. He kind of scrambles out of the pocket and takes a hit um, to his legs. And from then on out, Kyle's hobbled. And we we kind of get proof of that. In a couple of terrible decisions, you know, the offensive line, we're not, we don't like, you know, totally drilling players on this podcast in general, but uh, let's just say there's a Friar Tuck on the right side of the line. It's been uh, <laughs> causing some issues for this offense uh, when guys want to rush him outside. But, you know, Same you with got, Josh Simmons, if we're going to, I mean, pick individual players out, we should not have a lineman leading the country in full start penalties. But that's true. how we get on uh, Josh Simmons. But true. Keep going. Transfer. Yep. True. Um, you know. The, and, well, and you that, should go and back the, to the West Coast. <laughs> absolutely. And a lot of people knew that going into this season that, hey, we got a lot of awesome things all across the board on this Ohio State team. But man, you know, Luke Wepler declaring early for the NFL. Dewan Jones, you know, a beast last year. You know, we we had a couple guys, a couple absolute dudes leave us to play in the league. So we had to replace them all on the line this year. And I would say they're doing okay, probably right around where we expected them to in pass protection this year. But all that does is it kind of puts the spotlight on a QB. And in this, you know, in the setup that we have on this offense, we need a QB that can make quick decisions and that can kind of get out of a play 
if it's totally broken up. So hopefully McCord kind of learns from that. You know, this last game, it didn't kill us on the road, but it could have. That's my only lesson from him. We need him to take a step forward and rely on the dudes that he has all across the field. Marvin Harrison Jr., just a casual six catches, 123 yards and two receptions for touchdowns. Um, You know, pretty much our whole offense, if Trey Henderson didn't exist. Trey Henderson, Adam, it was the guy I wanted to talk about the last point on the Wisconsin game. Healthy, you know, finally. Um, in his own words, healthy for the first time since the Notre Dame game where he took kind of a cheap shot and you go back and watch the play. It was a cheap shot, a late hit on him on the ground. Um, dude lights it up. I mean, this guy's going to be playing on Sundays, Mondays and Thursdays, you know, for a while. Um, it seems like, uh, after this season concludes, he's going to make an NFL team very happy, a team that's needing, um, running back depth and playmakers badly, a team maybe like the Bengals, uh, Adam and I would enjoy that, you know, quite a bit. Uh, but Travion Henderson is a difference maker in this offense. And now with the news from this week that Mayan Williams, our big tank chop running back, uh, him being out for the rest of the year is, is a killer when it comes to depth in that room. But tell you what, if you get, you know, 90% of what you had on from Travion last Saturday, that takes this offense from being good to being national championship worthy, right? He's picking up first downs left and right. He's giving you nice, valuable runs for five yards, four yards, you know, a carry. He's getting eaten up in the backfield sometimes, and that's the complaint with him. But he's got that home run ability, and he does it again in the time when you needed it the most um, against Wisconsin. He kills him on a 30-yard rushing touchdown. So with that, Adam, that was the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on from Wisconsin. Just anything else on your end? Um, you know, uh, for the, for the West division of the big 10, that that's a team that has, uh, it, it has been a good product on the field since we've uh, really followed the Buckeyes last 10 years. I think Luke Fickle will make them a terrifying program in a couple of years. If he does stick around, um, I think he might look across the sideline in that game and see, gosh, this could be me if one or two things happen differently and what I could be doing with Ohio state, but he's probably taking that energy and saying, how good can I make Wisconsin? And, uh, but uh, he's a great coach. Made the Bearcats incredible. Uh, Bearcat fans should always be thankful because they'd be nothing if it weren't for Luke Fickle. Um, but no, that's that's all I got. Good game. Absolutely a great game. And yeah, credit to Wisconsin. They played hard. Um, ton of injuries. You know, they were working through. QB injured before this game. Braylon Allen, their big running back, gets injured in the game. Um, has to come off, but, you know, a gutty, gutty performance. And I think you're totally right. And if we zoom way out on this season and what could happen at the end of this season and kind of conversations that were had this last off season, right? That game at the end of November matters a ton for two coaches' legacies. Ryan Day um, with the opportunity to maybe go 0-3 in the last three years against his rival, Jim Harbaugh. So much to say, (laughs) you know, so much, so much could get deleted with a win for the good guys at the end of November. So we'll, we'll see what happens there, but man, Luke Fickle, a great Buckeye, an awesome head coach who's just had success everywhere he's gone um, and wish him nothing but the best, especially as divisions go away these next few years in the big 10. So lots to be excited for Adam. We turn the page and look to Rutgers this week. Ohio state makes the trip up to Piscataway, uh, New Jersey to take on the Scarlet Knights. Um, 
an interesting game. A Rutgers team a little out of the ordinary. Six and two heading into Saturday. Um, bowl eligible already. As Brandon Beam said from 97.1 The Fan, they've earned their S. He called them Rutger for a long time when they weren't pulling their weight. Now Greg Schiano, past Ohio State, defensive coordinator up there at the helm as the head coach leading the way, and he's got them looking fine, absolutely fine, a very stout defense this year, and a team that can run the ball. Um, you know, they've got a running back this year, 144 carries. Uh, Managi, I believe is how you say his name. He's got seven touchdowns on the ground. Um, quarterback, not a ton to write home about. Winsat, they don't throw the ball a crazy, crazy amount. Only 100, uh, about 1,100 yards through the air this year. Seven touchdowns, four interceptions. Nothing to write home about. Um, this team makes their hay and gets wins from the defense. And that's going to be, I think, the story on Saturday. Um, you know, when Ohio State has got the ball, you know, this year, they're, uh, or excuse me, when Ohio State is playing defense against Rutgers going into week nine for the Buckeyes, they are ranked first in passing defense efficiency, you know, letting up the least yards per game through the air a year, uh, and second overall in points per game, giving up an average of 10 points a game. So this Buckeye defense is what we keep saying it is. Um, we're really excited to keep cheering them on this year. But Rutgers makes their hay on the ground on offense. Um, averaging about 178 yards, um, you know, a game. They're putting up around 28 points a game, which is crazy high for Rutgers. It's not that high, you know, in the, in the overall grand scheme of themes, um, but we'll see what happens. You flip the page, you really just want to see kind of a clean game, right, from Ohio State's offense. You need a bounce-back game from Kyle McCord. Hopefully he's feeling healthy off of that banged-up ankle this last week. Um but really, all you want to see is really no turnovers, right? We just talked about it. That was the thing that killed you last week. Um, hopefully, Devin Brown is back. It seems like folks are more optimistic than they initially were when he got injured uh, before the Wisconsin game. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there's all we got all kinds of things to talk about um, in the QB room. Lincoln Kingholtz down the road. See if he's going to be able to maybe come in at some point this season and make a few plays for us, true freshman. Um, but lots of stuff to look for Saturday. I know all Adam and I want is a nice clean win on the road where the starters can get sat down pretty early in the second half. But Adam, you know, any specific things you're kind of looking for, you're hoping to see on Saturday against Rutgers. I'd like to see the uh, year of the tight end come back into full form. No passes to our guy, Kate Stover. G. Scott actually got a little bit of action against Wisconsin. A little bit surprised by that. I think they made a point to shut him down as he destroyed them last year. Uh, kind of was Kate's coming out party against Wisconsin last season, so maybe Fickle made a point to not let that happen. Um, but yeah, would love to see a Kate touchdown. Other than that, um, I know we've talked about Dallin Hayden. Day wants to redshirt him. If there's any chance that they reverse course on that, I just think he would be a great running back too to Travion if he can. If if they're both healthy, I mean that is a lethal duo for running back. But uh, no, I mean other than that. Like you said, hopefully Kyle comes out. He's been very uh, hot or cold. Hopefully he comes out uh, hot, doesn't have to wait till the second half to start being a good quarterback. It's actually crazy, the completion percentage. I think he's 50% in the first half and 70% in the second half of games so far through the year. And probably that stat has gotten even more skewed since Wisconsin because I looked that up before last week. Um, yeah, no, no turnovers by our quarterback would be a big win and maybe a one or two passing touchdowns and then get him out of there and get some uh, backups in because he's a play away from 
some guys with very little uh, game experience uh, taking the field. So that's what I'd like to see. I mean, Adam, you're totally right, right? The name of the game these next really three weeks is health. You know, what, what can Ohio State do to just, you know, not, not that you disrespect these opponents, but I feel like at this point in the season, the first college football playoff rankings come out. Ohio State is justifiably ranked number one. Would you consider them the, like, most talented or the, you know, the the best, right? I'm saying that in quotation marks, team in the country. Maybe. I think there's a couple teams vying for that spot, but absolutely they are the most accomplished as you look at their schedule, they've won some really tough, gutty wins, Notre Dame and Penn State to be named. But we all know what this season comes down to. We kind of know what the last three years have come down to. Um, you know, the biggest story in college football right now is the biggest rival of Ohio State and maybe some things that are happening or are not happening off the field, on the field, at Central Michigan. You know, there's lots of stuff that we could get into there, but... You know, the they the Buckeyes can't look ahead, but in the craziest, you know, thing ever, it really doesn't matter because Ohio State could honestly, they could definitely lose one. They maybe could lose two of these, you know, next three games and still be fine in terms of the college football playoff if they get things done against Michigan at the end of the year. So I don't uh, think they could lose two, but definitely they, one. They could. They definitely couldn't lose to Michigan State. Sorry, Clay. You know, guy on the podcast. Michigan State's one is probably the worst team in the Big Ten this year, tied for Indi- tied with Indiana. But Minnesota's when is the, not, just yeah. just a quiz. When is the last time a two loss teams made the fourteen playoff? Great question, Adam. I'm and not if sure. You, if you can sure talk for a second, happened. we we might be able to find that answer. No, you're good because I, I I mean. You know, since our freshman year, that was the first year of the college football playoff. I'm trying to think of a year where a two-loss team snuck in there. There's a, been a ton of one-loss teams. A great, Adam, a great pull for you. No two-loss team has made the cut in the nine-year history of the college football playoff. But as ESPN says here, that doesn't mean it can't happen. Um, <laughs> this year into the 2016 <laughs> year where yeah. Penn State actually beat us and won yeah. the Big Ten championship but we got to go try our luck against Clemson. They, they still had two losses or whatever the situation was there i think they had a non-conference and a conference maybe yeah. lost but yeah unbelievable the only reason i say it adam is because the strength of schedule and, and the wins would be so good like you'd have the best win and maybe the second best win if you had one against notre dame if they keep it'd winning be a good argument against, for sure yeah one, one against michigan the problem is there's a lot of other great teams Washington. Man, you look at the Pac-12 yeah, this year. Exactly. It's a down year for the SEC, but it seems like the Pac-12 has picked it up. That being said, I will never believe in USC and Caleb Williams <laughs> while he's there. So uh, forget that. I wouldn't even Absolutely. count that as a quality win for Notre Dame. You know, the committee looks at it. They're like, hey, nice job, Notre Dame. You're still 15th. Congrats. <laughs> Absolutely. I think you and I both believe in Washington and Oregon. I think both of them are pretty solid teams. But, yeah, there's no argument there. There, and no better villain to root against than Caleb Williams. He just seems like a jerk out there at USC. But I love Lincoln that... Riley going out there, and then like two weeks ago, he's like, "What are you talking about making the playoffs? That's not on my team's expectations. Why would that be an expectation to make the fourteen playoff? Look at this team. It's hilarious. I'm sure that's what he said when he interviewed for the job at USC. Preseason top five, you know, all that stuff. So right, yeah, not living up to it. And uh, Archie is just somewhere. I hope having a nice warm cup of coffee, chuckling um, at at the guy that could never uh, become the second two-time Heisman Trophy winner. All that to say, let's turn the page. Uh, hope the Buckeyes get it done. Uh, 
Adam, let's get into it. Sorry about that, Ryan. Oh. Thank you for the drum roll. I Absolutely. need you to lead this segment because we know Adam is out here dumping corn and actually just had to change hoppers. But we're back and we're ready for Adam's gambling corner. And Ryan, take it away with the lines. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Adam, we'll start with you. We'll kind of work up and the intrigue for the games this weekend. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma favored by six points. The final bedlam rivalry um at least for the foreseeable future as oklahoma makes the switch into the sec um next year but the in-state rivalry it's one of the best games in college football oklahoma oklahoma state adam who you taking you got you got bun bungy bundy al bundy is that his name coach yep. of uh, oklahoma state and he's taking shots at the bosworth saying he was doing bad stuff while they were back in their college days. I don't know if you saw that quote this week. No. You got Bosworth on Twitter saying, say it to my face, we're going to fight in person about it. Uh, that being said, I'm taking Oklahoma State. Go Pokes. I'd, I actually would take them money line this week. I think this is a Oklahoma team with a chance for a uh, a uh, season-ending upset this weekend. Okay, not to not to go, you know, in a – whatever uh here but we'll see here i'm just gonna read it live as i as i googled it mike gundy said bedlam used to be more of a rivalry back before social media quote it was a rivalry then period bosworth spit in my face and i spit in his is that is that what you're referencing yeah that is what i'm referencing he did go on to say that they ran into each other at a party once and how you know, all I could do is slap him and run or something because, you know, you don't want to be on the bad side of Bosworth. But then he the went, on, went on to reference how Bosworth really liked to take his vitamin C back in the day. And I think we're all supposed to take assumptions on to what the vitamin C meant uh, for a guy with some serious anger issues. Got but, it, uh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I'll lay the points down. Just trust in Oklahoma. I would rather Oklahoma State win this game as the Ag School in Oklahoma and um you know, Adam's even got some neighbors that are big uh, Pokes fans, but yeah, we'll see what happens. So, Adam, I, remind me, you took. Give me I took, one more uh, time. I took the points, but I actually said money line. But you know, obviously, we're just <laughs> we're just betting spreads here. We don't Absolutely. need to do any, anything like Absolutely. that. No overs, like Abram a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> a primetime game, uh, LSU looking. I bl- I think I saw this stat. LSU's quarterback has the opportunity to be the first quarterback. To beat Nick Saban two years in a row since Drew Brees did it at Purdue against Nick Saban's Michigan State team. What a stat, right? 20 years old. Um, everybody is down on Bama this year uh, because of a loss to Texas earlier this season. The stat I just said is kind of what's dictating my pick here. Not that I'm even rooting for it. It would be great to just get Bama out of here because I would say they're probably the best one-loss team that there is. Uh, I'm going to lay those points down. Bama covers. Adam. Yeah, I'm I'm with you here on that, Ryan. I mean, I, I'm going to have to see the day where Brian Kelly sends Nick Saban home um, yep. in a way like that, like ends his season in a game like this. I just think. The way Alabama came back against the Vols last weekend yep. while we were busy down south, it, it just seemed like they might have found something in that second half. And that's the kind of stuff that you, you can win championships with is just momentum like that. Not saying they're going to the playoffs or anything. Just I think they are going to carry that momentum into this game and, and maybe beat up on the Tigers. 
the path is there. I mean, that's the scariest thing, right? Uh, Alabama's got to win, what, three games here, and then they'll be back in the SEC championship with a chance to beat Georgia. They beat them, they're in. Probably, they're both in, really. I don't think the playoff (laughs) committee, I don't know if they really want that and Michigan-Ohio State, you know, is there a way (laughs) way to keep both of those from both conferences? That'd be a crazy playoff, but... um, yeah, Bama's path is very much still alive. And, you know, I'm kind of rooting for the Tigers to take it out, but we'll see. Brian Kelly, big games, you know you know how that goes. Um, Adam, fun one for you and I. It gets brought in because of the charges this week. Uh, a video surfaced today that I don't even want to describe um, from a Michigan staffer, let's say, who was, let's say, ambushed for, let's say, wanting to meet up with someone um, that he shouldn't have wanted to meet up with. Um, on Twitter today, really gross scene for Michigan and kind of seems to go in line uh, with what's what's kind of been going on these last couple weeks. But another not great week, another day. Actually, today, the coaches in the Big Ten all meeting with the Big Ten commissioner to say, hey, we want you to do something. We'll see what actually happens. Michigan, in their first game since the cheating scandal kind of uh, arose at home, taking on two and six Purdue Michigan laying down 32 and a half points uh, to the Boilermakers coming into Ann Arbor. Adam, what you going with? I hate to be that guy, but just for the sake of it, I'm probably going to ride meat chicken that they're going to do this revenge tour of uh, everybody's doubting us. Everybody's thinking we're cheating. I did see the quote from that meeting where they're like, if we don't punish them and they know they're going to be punished after this season, what is to stop them from continuing to cheat their little Michigan man butts off, you know, their little holier-than-thou butts off, because they know they're going to be punished, so why wouldn't they just go try and win the whole thing the way they've been doing it? Fair argument, which is why I will be laying the points and uh, seeing how this weekend goes, but would love to be wrong. Yeah, I'm what right there you? with you. I'm, I'm going to lay them down because I'm going to cheer for myself to be wrong. I hope Purdue covers. Hope Purdue wins the game. I mean, that'd be a crazy thing, but it would be the funniest possible outcome for the last Definitely. couple of weeks. Um, you know, what, what is there to say? You know, it, Harbaugh likes to pour it on, especially in a scene like this where it's like the whole world is kind of against Michigan and that team. Um Let's try and make something happen here, Purdue. But I, I, I think that the uh, that Michigan's offense rolls, and they're the type of offense that once they get up, they can beat a team's will down um, to keep playing. So hopefully, Purdue kind of stands up, tries to fight for the rest of the Big Ten. But we'll see what happens. You and I are both laying the points down for uh, the boys in blue at home. Adam, last game of the weekend, then we'll wrap things up. Ohio State making the long trek out there to Piscataway, New Jersey, taking on the Scarlet Knights. Ohio State laying down 19 points on the road. A lot of points in a, in a uh, big game, kind of getting us into the last third of the season. Uh, what do you, Where do you want to go here, Adam? You know, going into tonight and, and seeing that line, I was thinking, you know, just from how crippling the offense was against Wisconsin, you think about it, you watch that game, a couple things break the other way, and they cover, they probably mm. cover this 19-point line mm. against Wisconsin. It was just just terrible turnovers. I'm looking to see a great bounce back and some throws to our good guy, Cade Stover. Maybe 14 of these points will be made by him. But, uh, no, I'll be uh, I'll be riding with the Buckeyes once again, 19 points. Uh, Shiano never had the makings of a varsity athlete, but he does make a heck of a, of a Rutgers coach. Uh, I just think... Uh, the stable of uh, of uh, draft horses Ohio State has is uh, too much to bear for the uh, Scarlet Knights. What do you think? I kind of agree with you, Adam. And 
another side of this, everybody's talking about Michigan wanting to pour it on, you know, coming out of a week like this. Hey, what what has the other side been saying about Ohio State, right? They do not deserve to be number one. They do, they're not a good team. They're going to lose because they're soft at the end of November. Hey, there's no excuses, right, when you go to Ann Arbor. Kind of the opposite in my pick for Michigan. I think I'm going to lay the points down with you and uh, roll with Ohio State. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, on Saturday, it's a noon game. Hopefully we can catch them sleeping a little bit. Um, but I, I think the Buckeyes have been hearing the national noise too, and maybe they're wanting to get out there and strut their stuff a, le- a little bit to get to be number one. So, um, it'd be right there with Michigan for the biggest blowout of Rutgers season this year. And again, credit to, to Shiano and, and Rutgers. They're doing unbelievable stuff this year. So they, they've been pretty awesome. Um, we got our picks in. You, y'all have listened. Follow us on Twitter at Ohio State underscore SBS. We're getting takes off all the time with this Michigan situation and trying to keep folks posted on what's going on. We may do an emergency podcast if any punishment gets delved out in the next couple of weeks, but that remains to be seen um, as long as what's his name, Petiti, has has the courage uh, to, to make a decision. And as I'm saying this, Nicholas Petit Ferrer, tough thing to see tackle out there for the Titans. Ohio State great goes down on third Thursday night football. Hopefully he's healthy. We'll see what happens as the game progresses. But with that, Adam, good luck out there in the field um, tonight. Uh, you know, for the folks at home tuning in, thank you for joining us. Please let us know what you think of the show. Uh, and we're just so thankful to have you on another episode of the silver silver bullet bullet saga pasta saga <laughs> with the gabagoo the gabagoo the gabagoo oh, Jesus Christ <laughs> Christopher Columbus is a hero in this house and he will be treated as such <laughs> hey, I want to go to the bada bing the bada bing Go Buckeye. Go Go Red Leg. Go Bengal. Go Bengal. Spencer Steer. Joey Vado. Joe Burrow.